All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. And as usual, I'm speaking to you from the borough of Queens in New York City. It is the 20th day of December 2022. Before I talk more about today's show, let me remind you that I am the editor of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Uh, and the focus is mostly on the junior gold mining shares, and uh, they're getting a bit more interesting today with gold up over $30 as we speak. Silver just blasting to higher levels. So it's a very interesting and I think a great time to be considering uh, subscribing to my letter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. We do cover some energy and tech uh, stories as well, but primarily it's uh, focused on gold and silver. Uh, mine exploration companies, but not only, we have some uh, some smaller gold and silver producers that I think are going to be just stellar performers because they have a lot of growth uh, that are part of their story as well. To sign up for my letter, go to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com. also like to plug Chen Lin's letter, What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? Go to chenpicks.com. Chen also focuses on gold and silver exploration stories, but his uh, one of his fortes that he's done extremely well with over the years is the biotech Emerging biotech stories and some really exciting ones. Amorous Inc., for example, one that I cover in my newsletter, Chen, is also talked about on the show. Uh, a very, very interesting story. Um, I should, as I've mentioned recently, there will be some changes to this show. And to keep up with those changes, I would suggest you go to jtaylormedia.com. That's jaytaylormedia.com. Also, I will be uh, involved on Twitter, letting people know what I'm doing and when changes are being made. Um, you can follow me on Twitter where I make comments about the markets and other things from time to time as well. J Taylor Media is my Twitter handle. do want to thank all of you for listening to the show, making it one of the more, one of the more popular shows in the Voice America Business Channel. So I want to invite you to keep your questions and comments coming along. Send them along to questions for taylor at gmail.com, questions at number four, taylor at gmail.com. And, of course, we do want to thank our sponsors. Without them, there would be no show. Our sponsors today, Irving Resources, Novo Resources, Gold Bull Resources, El Oro Resources, and Timberline Resources. Well, I got a, a little email from my friend Jeff uh, in Vancouver, and I quote what he said. I happen, Jeff says, I happen to be catching up on some Twitter news when this Bank of Japan news hit last night. Gold popped $7 an ounce in seconds, and today is following through as the dollar and the U.S. Treasuries are being sold hard. As usual, gold and silver are the lifeboats to the other side of this galactic battle, end of quote. Well, 
So it is uh, certainly today uh, one of the biggest days up for gold and silver. As I was getting ready for the show today at around 1240, gold was at 33, up $33 at 1.84%. And silver was really going gangbusters. It was up uh, over 5%, 5.09%, up to 24.13. Actually, as I look at the screen right now, silver is selling at $24.16. That's up 5.23% today. Well, I want to talk to our guests today to get their take on the move in gold and silver and also to get a sense if they think this is the start of a major separation of real money, that is gold and silver, from the fake stuff, the counterfeit money that we and virtually all people around the world are forced by their respective governments to use. One thing I know for sure is that the United States and all global economies are in big trouble because all countries around the world have been forced to use this fake money, which is basically uh, manufactured with debt. And so debt is piling up around the globe to such a degree that it can never, ever, ever be repaid. Uh, and the only way it can be settled is through inflation or just default and massive bankruptcies and depressions. Um, anyway, it's, it's really, of course, always the propagandists are trying to put the best, uh, the best face on everything that's bad. Um, but with respect to the problems that seem to be headed our way, um, at least to those of us that live in America, I think the following quote from David Stockman's December 13 article provides a good hint of the unpleasant things that are likely to come. And I quote David Stockman as of December 13th. He said, and I, so the talking heads of bubble vision think inflation is abating. But what about this? Federal revenues in November posted at $252 billion. That's 10.3% below last November, while spending came in at $501 billion. And the latter included an ominous increase of 53% in federal debt service costs compared to a year ago. That's right. After two and one half years of so-called recovery from the lockdown, recession of Q2 2020 an unprecedented monetary and fiscal stimulus, Uncle Sam's November receipts barely amount to 50% of Washington's half-trillion-dollar eruption of federal largest free stuff, pork, and war-making. In exactly what universe, therefore, is this not inflationary? End of quote, David Stockman. So how is this not inflationary? We're going into debt. The debt can never be repaid even as it stands now, but we're piling debt on top of debt not in a straight linear uh, progression, but in an exponential progression. And you just, you know, you have to believe that somewhere along the line, there's going to be some sort of a breakdown. Um, in other words, no matter, it seems what the politicians, the media arms of the, uh, the media arms try to spin it, as we enter 2023, it certainly looks like we are heading towards some very deep doo-doo. And so I have titled today's show, Seeking Shelter from the Impending 2023 Recessionary Storm. Well, Lynn Alden was uh, scheduled to be my guest today, my main guest today. She published an extensive report to her paid subscribers about a week ago, uh, or maybe a little longer ago than that. I'm not sure exactly when it was. And it was uh, titled Defensive Assets Deep Dive Analysis. In that report, she provided her macroeconomic views as well as how the markets are likely to respond to them. She also addressed the impact of massive zero COVID lockdown policies on Chinese and global markets and what an apparent reversal 
of those policies might mean on global commodity prices if, as expected, global economies stagnate in 2023. Unfortunately, Lynn was unable to join me today uh, due to some family issues. Uh, she was kind enough to let us know in advance, so we were able to get my good friend John Rubino to join us today to fill in for Lynn. And quite frankly, I don't know of anyone better able to substitute for Lynn Alden than John Rubino. John will be with me uh, in the second half of today's show. And uh, actually to get some thoughts on the questions that we seek answers to in today's show, we will be talking to Michael Oliver. Um, well, just in a couple of minutes now, because we do have to take our first commercial break, uh, but don't go away because when we come back, Michael Oliver is sure to have some very interesting things to say about today's pop in the gold and silver price, as well as a whole lot of other market uh, market events that are taking place. So don't go away. We'll be right back uh, with Michael Oliver. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Timberline Resources is a mineral exploration and resource development company focused on gold discovery in the world-class mining jurisdiction of Nevada. The company's flagship Eureka project hosts a significant gold resource and drill-indicated upside potential at nearby higher-grade targets. Timberline Resources trades in Canada under the symbol TBR and on the OTCQB in the U.S. under the symbol TLRS. To learn more about this district-scale asset with exciting discovery potential, please visit www.timberlineresources.co. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back, Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and really pleased to tell you that one of our most popular guests, Michael Oliver, is here with me once again. And I should tell you before I say hello to Michael, um, I should tell you guys that his uh, website is olivermsa.com. Olivermsa.com to sign up for his letter, uh, MSA, that's Momentum and Structural Analysis. I've been following Michael, and I think he's been on the show. I looked the other day almost since about 2014. And uh, it's just one of the most popular guests because he's, uh, you know, he's a technical analyst and sometimes I've thought of technical analysts as being kind of dry and uninteresting, but Michael 
mixes a lot of very colorful language with his with his numbers. And so I think it's one of the reasons, in addition to the fact that he's been spot on in so many markets for so many years, that he has a growing following and we're really happy to have him with us again. Thanks for joining me, Michael. Hi, Jay. Good to be back. It's good to be back. And speaking of markets that you've been pounding the table for, markets that uh, you have been, you know, Un, un, always just very, very adamant about, well, not always, but since the last uh, year or so, uh, you've seen silver as the as a thing that's likely to take off. I mean, you call it gold the big mama, but when we enter a bull market in the metals, silver usually leads the way and, and you know, beats gold hands down. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Boy, are we seeing something today, right? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at 2414 on the cash market now, Michael. That's up uh, five yeah, point actually, twelve. Percent. Uh, actually, it's about twenty four twenty one right now. Okay, anyway. Uh -huh. That's uh, you're, <laughs> so but you're looking at making, a, you're looking at a, new highs. You're looking at a futures yeah. market. Oh, you're looking at the near term. Yeah. The near term. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm looking yeah. at what these should be trading. Um, uh -huh. The the main point there is this. It's very subtle. Uh, asset classes. Okay, bonds are down enormous on the year, double digit percents. Okay, price wise. Yeah. S&P is down 20%. That's off its low. NASDAQ 100, the leader index, is down 32%. Mm -hmm. Muni bonds, high-yield corporate debt, all down double-digit percents. Silver's up about 4% on the year. Mm -hmm. Gold is almost unchanged on the year. Okay, mm -hmm. Something's been going on for the last several months that we expected, and that was that Large asset managers and wise investors who aren't looking at day-to-day -day panicky stuff uh, are saying, hey, you know, this something's going on here in assets. One is that we've had a dozen-year bull market bubble in the stock market and mm -hmm. related paper assets caused by free money, mm -hmm. helicopter money, you know, you name it, QEs, et cetera. Um, and it went on for a dozen years. Mm -hmm. You go back and look at the 1923 to 1929 bull market in the Dow. Look at uh, the mid-1990s to 2000 peak in the dot-com. Go back mm -hmm. to the 2002 bear low and go up to the 2007 bull market peak and then the bear market. The percent gains of those bull markets in stocks were measured in doubles and triples mm -hmm. from the low. Okay. S&P from 2009 to last year's high was, was an, a seven-fold move. Wow. For NASDAQ 100, it was a 16-fold move printed wow. by the central bank. Okay. Yeah. When they create pricing errors in asset categories by changing the valuation of money and, and the flow of money goes somewhere, it goes – you know, in one place, then it goes another over time. But it certainly was flowed into the equity arena over a dozen years, more so than it ever has in U.S. history. Now, you can believe that, well, well it was economically justified, well, or it was monetarily generated. If it was monetarily generated, as we argue, then it's broken. The bubble broke in January for NASDAQ 100. It broke at the February close for S&P. At that point, we turned long-term major bear on those markets, we argued the bubble is broken. And normally when a bubble breaks, no matter what the central bank does to try to stop it, will not succeed. They fought the 2008-2009 bear market all the way down and couldn't stop it. 
They couldn't stop the the dot-com bubble break. They certainly didn't stop the 29 to 1932 collapse. So once the bubble breaks, it it takes over. Reality takes over, in other words. Mm -hmm. And I think reality's taken over. The central bank isn't aware of this. They, They think they're gods and that they can, you know, change reality. They did. Okay. The problem is reality's coming unwound. Well, now the problem is if it's coming unwound beyond their control, which most investors don't realize yet, they still think the Fed can, you know, change reality either way. Mm -hmm. So they could soften and everything will be okay again. Um, We argue, no, it can't. It's over with. It's a disaster coming. They created it. They broke the bubble as well. And now we're going to pay the consequences. Well, what are the central banks going to do once they realize, my goodness, we're not stopping, quote, inflation, meaning narrowly defined commodity inflation. Right. All we've done is break paper assets that we can't allow to break, like muni bonds and so forth. What are they going to do? Well, obviously, they're going to have to reverse and go back to what they do best, which is to print, 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 and you know, easy money, et cetera. What market knows that? I think gold does. And I think mm-hmm. that's why gold is is in a huge down year for assets, is now trading almost unchanged. Mm-hmm. And silver's actually up 4% of the year. So I think somebody knows that the monetary metals are about to take over as the key place to be. And our work says silver's the place to be of all on a percentage mm-hmm. basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it, it wouldn't shock me. I'm not going to forecast when and how. But I think it could be quick, meaning within a year, year and a half or so, that this crisis could unfold, in which case silver could go vertical in a big way. Uh, we know in the past it's been to 50 bucks twice, so that's not a big deal. You go back to 50 again, well, we've been there before, okay? Sure, Gold's absolutely. well above those comparable. You know, and if silver went to a normal ratio to gold that it's seen many times over the past 50 years, you know, it could easily see $200 silver. Mm-hmm. Ludicrous statement, right? Mm-hmm. We're 28 now. Sure. I mean, we're 24 or something now. And we're I'm talking a tenfold. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, not ludicrous. The SAP, yeah. yeah, it's, it's not, not it's not, no. no, it's not ludicrous because if you look at the money supply, I mean, you're, you're talking about 16 times in the NASDAQ, seven times in the S&P, you said this time, mm-hmm. which, which raises another question in my mind, Michael, you know, we're looking at those kind of, ma- those kind of multiples, uh, increases in those markets compared to you said two and three times with the other previous bubbles yeah. and and then you look at and then you look at the debt you know as David Stockman was saying that we you know our debt cost has gone up 42 percent compared to last November uh, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I mean like like it's it's on an exponential track no, you know the things debt crisis to, is, is a variable that will come into play you know and yeah. that's 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 why for instance MSA has, has shifted focus instead of looking at tech which is uh, agree is the leader on the downside, just as uh-huh. it was the leader on the upside. So we look at Apple, Amazon, and so forth. Uh, but you got to look at banks, and we've been yeah. focused on them lately. And they have gotten suddenly weaker than the broad market over the last three weeks. Like somebody pulled a light switch, and uh, the S and P's down, you know, three four percent in the last three four weeks, and, and banks are down eight nine percent. Uh-huh. What's going on there? You know, nobody's well, talking sir- about it. Well, certainly an inverted yield curve like we have, and Powell definitely seems to be holding holding tough as long as he can anyway, and that, that has to be murderous for banks if they're borrowing short and lending long, and they're probably not lending that much because they know that the economic environment isn't that great. 
mm-hmm. and consumers yeah. are up to their eyeballs in debt. Consumers now, uh, you know, the credit cards are pretty much tapped out, and delinquencies yeah. are starting to rise. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, so banks aren't going to want to lend. So, what what does that leave uh, Uncle Joe Biden to do? He has to give us some more money, doesn't he? Has to print some more and send it yeah. to us. And 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 ultimately, at some point, the, the screaming will get into the ears of the Fed, and they're going to have to respond to it. Because that's their main job is to support the government's debt market. And if that ever comes in jeopardy, which we think it's in jeopardy, just like the stock market. Uh, now, the recent rally we've had in T-bonds, for example, look at mm-hmm. TLT, which is a popular ETF of long-term mm-hmm. U.S. government bonds. Uh, we had projected a target, a first, excuse me, a first downside target. Both T-bond futures, 30 years, and the TLT hit our target about mm-hmm. four or five weeks ago. And went mm-hmm. oh a percent or two beyond our downside target. Again, mm-hmm. this is a bounce target, not a, not an end to the bear market. Mm-hmm. And bou- have bounced nicely. The question now is is bounce in the T bonds, meaning the, the drop in yields that we've seen, uh, sustainable or not? We think it's non-sustainable. Mm-hmm. We think it is a bear market rally for T bonds. Mm-hmm. And the problem, therefore, for portfolio managers is. You know, that 60-40 magic rule, you know, you balance yeah. your portfolio, that kind of nonsense. Uh, they're both down big. Bonds have not been a safe haven. They've not been a, quote, alternative. And when I when I do this silly graph study that, you know, what's the year to date of, you know, since the close of last year, you get these big negative graph bars on the S&P, NASDAQ, T-bonds, you name it, all the paper assets. And here's gold trading unchanged on the year, effectively. And silver's up 4%. What's going on here? Right. The Fed's and I think that, making, quote, as, in, you know, as you say, some of the big fund managers are probably starting to, you know, we're heading into a new year. Although I think one of the things that might keep the equity markets from collapsing or declining a lot right now, there's a lot of window dressing, as I understand it, Michael. A lot of fund managers hmm. haven't wanted to be in those household name stocks, you know, the big ones. But at the end of the year, they're, yeah. they're committed to have, you know, less than 5% or less in cash. And they have to put it to work, so they have to show at the end of the year that they're owning these household name companies. So they're jumping back yeah. in now. So I'm wondering if we might not today. I think the equity market was up a little bit. Uh, see, the it, S&P is up yeah. a little bit. Yeah, not much. No, but, it wouldn't surprise uh, me. What do we have, seven, eight trading days left in the year? Something right, like that. right, uh, right. And, we, and, we and it wouldn't s- surprise me that, that we see some calm this year. But it certainly isn't a Christmas rally. Mm-hmm. It's been a seller. Yeah. You know, the last yeah. three or four weeks have been pretty sharp down. And uh, therefore, we're... Uh, that 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 notion of the cyclical, you know, the seasonal of the you know by Christmas Christmas rally hasn't worked yeah. out, but yeah. I do think you could have stability between now and the end of the year. Uh, this is based on technical assumptions, not anything else. Yeah. But I don't right. think the stability means anything. I think it just is a pause. That's all. I'd like to ask you about the dollar. You know, there's something we had last week. Um, a person, a guest on my show, that uh, is an advocate of the uh, dollar milkshake theory. And that theory holds that as long as the dollar system doesn't go out of business, as long as it stays intact, Mm -hmm. that the dollar will remain the strongest among the the currencies in the index, in the index. And that will, you know, with Mm -hmm. variation from time to time, uh, because there's so, you know, he he argues that that the other uh, the other currencies are derivatives of the dollar and they all have so much dollar debt that whenever you start to squeeze, when the when the Fed starts to contract, pull money out of the system, then it really causes them. You know, scurrying around to buy dollars, and so it drives the dollar up. To you know, they have to service their debts, and they need dollars to do it. And so they're out there bidding up the price of dollars. 
Uh, and do you, do you buy that until as long? Of course, no. if, 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 if at some point in time, as you're arguing that the Fed will inevitably do, start to go the other way and start pushing money into the system, then it will have the opposite effect, I would think. Yeah, it's again, it's one piece of paper versus another. That's what mm-hmm. we're talking about here, the dollar index, which is primarily, by the way, the euro mm-hmm. and the yen combined constitute like 70% of the dollar index. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so one piece of crappy paper versus another. But uh, the technically speaking on the dollar, we've been mm-hmm. both bullish over the last decade or so. Yes, you have. Uh, yeah. called major moves. Now, the dollar recently got up toward 115 in price dollar index now. Mm-hmm. When it dropped back down under 111 a couple months ago, we turned major bearish again because we had technical reasons to do that. And we said the next point of bounce might be around 103.60. Well, mm-hmm. the recent low has been 103.50 and change. Mm-hmm. Okay, So we collapsed rapidly from just under 111 down to the, that next bounce point and have stabilized for the last week or two. Right now we're trading just under 104, so barely off the low. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might try to hold around here. It's both a momentum level, but it's also an idiot price chart level, meaning this. If you look at a monthly price chart at the dollar index, go back to 2010 or 11, you'll uh-huh. see there was a peak in 2017 in the upper 103s that did not get the 104. Then there was mm-hmm. a peak in March of 2020 that got up to the upper 103s, but not the 104. And what have we done? We've dropped back into the upper 103s. Okay? Mm-hmm. So the price guys are buying the old highs. Mm-hmm. And it might, play, it might play for a bit for them. You know, they might be able to you know, make a little bit of trading money for a week or two or three. But if you ever close, I'd say if you drop back down under 103 or drop down to 103, mm-hmm. the price chart is even saying, hey, hey, the old ceiling is no good. I'm failing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, whatever rationale you want to put into that as to why that's occurring, you can. But we're looking at it technically, and I, I don't think the dollar is going to make it. I think it's in, begun the downturn again. And once you get back under 103, the public, I think the price chart technicians who are usually lagged to momentum will, will agree. They'll say, oh, this isn't holding support. In which case, yeah. where's support? Good, good grief, we don't know. Uh, I don't think the movements in the dollar ultimately are that big of an issue for gold. If you go back over 50 years, you can find many times mm-hmm. when the dollar has had a multi-year move in one direction and gold's gone the same way. Okay, so it's not always inverse to the dollar gold. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. I would not pay too much attention to the dollar in terms of assessing gold. Right. Right. Well, I definitely agree. This certainly, as you've pointed out in the past, it's not that there's not that great correlation there for sure. No. Uh, and so you're expecting a weaker dollar longer term. I think I think all of my gold bug friends are. Some of the dollar milkshake theory people do too, but their argument is that until the system changes, that within now outside of the the uh, the index, you know, I mean, look at the Russian ruble for example, and a lot of other currencies. And gold, of course, has done extremely well against almost all the currencies except the dollar. So I would think a weaker dollar would, would put some wind at the back of gold and silver as well, though. Yeah, and who knows? We may have some major countries uh, issue a gold back, you know, money in it. Well, I was just thinking, I want to, you know. yeah, we would ask you, you know, because if, if these metals get out of the, you know, if they, if they, if they just take care, you know, they, they just take off like, you know, like crazy and there's mm-hmm. no stopping mm-hmm. them. It's got to send a message to some of these people that maybe you're, you know, maybe you ought to rethink your monetary system. 
Yeah. Uh, and, you know, some economists, uh, even of the left and the right, I've seen, you know, Nouriel Roubini, yep. uh, El Arian, have criticized mm-hmm. that dramatically and said, well, what's going to happen here is not, a, it's not, not something normal. It's going to be horrible, talking yeah. economically and politically and so forth. So meaning they're saying this hasn't worked. No. This, this, well, this I, I, I think cycle, even, you know, hasn't worked. Yeah, I think even Dave, I think even maybe Jay Powell and some of the others, I mean, I mean, I was really, really, really shocked when David Stockman said on this show some time ago, he was the first one I heard, he was very sure that Powell was going to be tougher than most of the talking heads thought he would be. He said mm-hmm. he believes that some of the Federal Reserve people, the people in the central bank, are really mm-hmm. afraid of, I think he said, torches and pitchforks coming at them. You know, in other <laughs> words, that's, that's yeah. the kind of language I'd hear you use uh, to talk, you know, yeah. picturesque yeah, uh... language. But I mean, there is a real fear. People are getting angry as hell if they can't put food on the table, Michael. Then it gets really well, bad. Yeah. Ron Paul just came out, and he's not an economist, but he's affiliated with the Austrian School of Economics yep. and, and is a supporter of the Mises Institute, for example. So sure. he came out recently, and, and there was an article, and Zero Hedge even covered it. Uh, he said the, the result of this downside in the markets is going to be uh, violence in the streets. And if you read the the writings of El Arian or go to look what he said on, on interviews and even Rubini. Yeah. Remember, he worked for Democrats. OK, mm-hmm. uh, they're effectively saying the same thing in euphemistic yeah. terms. Yeah. That the outcome here isn't just markets. It's going to be political and in the streets. And yeah. Like, and the question it, is, how well, different. Yeah, the question is how they how they settle this problem. You know, are they going to do it with more government, more handouts, or are they going to go back towards a free market system? We, well, you and I hope the latter. But uh, any event, well, but real quickly, real quickly, Michael, oil um, and commodities in general. Just take thirty seconds. Commodities to a minute. in general, we expect another major up leg. Okay, uh-huh. we're monitoring it. We monitor the Bloomberg Commodity Index for it. It's a, a well balanced commodity. Uh, index. Some of these commodity indexes are way too heavily weighted to energy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, as far as energy goes, it was the leader in the first wave, natural gas on a percent basis, oil on a percent basis. They led the Bloomberg commodity index rise from late 2020 when we got major bullish to the high of uh, nine months ago or so. We don't think the energy will lead the next leg. It may go up with the next leg, but we mm-hmm. think it's more likely to be food related. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, there you, uh, you know, go. Grain, grains, sugar, sugar, for example, is flexing muscles right now. So we think that everybody who's watching energy, yeah, watch it, but it's doing what we thought it would do, which is to say after the major move we just had, go into a violent trading range, but at high price levels, mm-hmm. which in and of itself is choking to the world economy. Right. Not that it goes down or up, just that it hangs around up here. Right. Uh, it's choking. Right. Uh, the next leader would be foods, I think. All right. Well, that goes to what we were just talking about, the concerns about hunger and famine and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. The high prices beyond the – and then the government has to print money to hand out money to people so they can buy – put food on the table. Goodness sakes, what a yep. mess we've yep. gotten ourselves into, Michael. But uh, it, again, folks, it's OliverMSA.com, OliverMSA.com. Sign up for Momentum and Structural Analysis, MSA. Uh, and then you can hear these things before Michael comes on the show to talk about them because he sends out frequent – market timing, I mean, really market-sensitive information. And when things are changing, he lets his paid subscribers know. Michael, thank you so much for spending time with us again. Thank you, Jay. Bye-bye. All right.
All right, folks, we have to go to break now. John Rubino will be with me uh, to talk about today's question, and that is, uh, you know, how do we how do we weather the storm that's heading our way in 2023? Don't go away. I'll be right back with John Rubino. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really happy uh, to tell you that John Rubino is with us again. Um, he's the creator of the popular website, dollarcollapse.com, um, and, um, well, he's here to fill in for Lynn Alden, who, due to some family issues, wasn't able to be with us today. Uh, but as I said in my introduction, I don't think there's too many people that can do uh, better at answering the question that we have in our minds today than John Rubino and the one we were going to ask Lynn Alden, which was, where can we hide from the financial storm heading our way in 2023? And, um, well, certainly, uh, perhaps one hint uh, can be seen in the market activities today. Um, let's, let's hear what John has to say. Thanks for joining me again, John. Hey, Jay. Yeah, it's been an eventful uh, couple of weeks in our little corner of the world, huh? Well, yes, and it hasn't all been all that great, but today um, things are looking up for those of us who believe in real money, honest money, uh, not the fake counterfeit stuff that we're forced to use at the point of a gun by governments around the world. Uh, what what gives, John? Why the explosion? I would call it almost an explosion, $30 up in gold, uh, you know, up, uh, but, but silver even more so, 5.16% in the cash market as I'm looking at, looking at it right now. To twenty four dollars and fifteen cents on the bid, uh, what something happened over in Japan? I believe perhaps it might have set things off in a different direction today. 
Yeah, there, there are a lot of things pointing in a good direction for precious metals, but the, um, the, the immediate catalyst for what's happening today was the Bank of Japan kind of semi-capitulating. Uh, basically, the uh, the longer term story for Japan is that the um, the Japanese government has been borrowing insane amounts of money to try to prop up an economy that's full of zombie companies and mm-hmm. people who are near bankruptcy and everything. And uh, they've been able to get away with it for quite a while by just um, pegging interest rates at extremely low levels. So the government borrowing didn't really cost anything. Um, but with inflation picking up, the pressure, um, the, the selling pressure on 0% bonds has become so intense that the, uh, the the Japanese central bank hasn't been able to peg the interest rate at zero anymore. And they had to let it go up to 0.25% for a while. And that didn't work. And now they've had to expand their band to 0.5%. Now, the um, the problem with that from Japan's point of view is that when interest rates go up, their interest costs go up. All the Japanese debt that has to be borrowed right now or rolled over um, does so at a higher rate, and that increases the uh, interest costs for the Japanese government, which makes their deficit even bigger, which starts them on on kind of a death spiral where um, they're they're borrowing more and more at higher and higher rates, and there's no way out of that. Um, Now, they aren't quite there yet, but they're moving in that direction. And, and today's, like I said, semi-capitulation, where they let the rate go up to 0.5%, mm-hmm. is a big step on that path. And that spooked the global financial markets because uh, Japan has been kind of, you know, they've got these debt-related problems that everybody knows about, but they've also handled those problems very well. And if they can't handle their massive government debt, um, then everybody's wondering who else can't. And of course, the U.S. is on that list. You know, we've got uh, basically the same problem as Japan, only we're further along because our interest rates are already higher than um, the Japanese rates are. So we in the U.S. are looking at, as the government's debt rolls over at higher and higher rates, uh, another half a trillion dollars or so in government spending just on interest. Yeah. And, and, And it goes on from there. As more and more debt rolls over, our interest costs go up. Our deficits go up, um, and you know eventually the pressure of all of that, uh, those imbalances, ends up on the currency and forces the value of the currency down. Um, in our case, already the dollar lost ten percent of its value in the last year, and there's no reason to think that as we continue to borrow more and more money, uh, and then refinance what we've borrowed at higher and higher rates, that that won't continue. You know, this is uh, this is a legit death spiral for the world's fiat currencies. And Japan just kind of illustrated that point for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, David Stockman pointed out that our debt service coverage has gone up, uh, the expense has gone up by 43% over last year at this time. 43%, and, and, you know, taking in, almost spending about twice as much as we're taking in revenues right now. Yeah. So how does that, you know, how does that play out? And uh, it's, uh, you have to wonder if, John, if, if to a certain extent, part of the equation also has to do with the currencies because the dollar has, you know, the Fed has been aggressive in raising rates uh, compared to other countries and other central banks. And, uh, and you know, just to keep the, uh, the yen from spiraling out of, you know, into the dustbin of history right away, maybe a part of the, reason was also not only to lower their, 
you know, I mean, part of the reason would also be to, to defend the currency, possibly. I don't know. What do you think? Well, um, that that's the dynamic when yeah. um, when you um, run bigger and bigger deficits and pump more and more money out into the system that lowers the value of, of your currency. It puts downward pressure on its foreign exchange rate. Uh, and that's what's happening with the yen. The, the yen went from about 100 yen to the dollar a um, year and a half ago to 140 just lately. In other words, its value fell by 40% versus the dollar. Uh, that's not the kind of thing that you can allow to continue because that means everything that you import goes up in, in cost. Mm-hmm. That means you have inflation, which makes the currency even less valuable. Um, and so that's the kind of um, self-reinforcing feedback loop that, uh, that Japan is in now. But really, everybody's in it. You know, there, there, there's no major country, with the possible exception of Russia, whose finances aren't almost as bad as Japan's. So everybody is kind of tipping into this same um, abyss right now with no real way to fix any of this. Because, um, you know, you've got, got a lot of speculation about there, uh, out there of what the Fed is going to do. Are they going to, you know, generate a... Um, a deep recession or a soft landing. And really that is completely meaningless because nothing that they're doing will fix the underlying problem, which is exponentially increasing debt. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so no matter what happens next year, maybe we have, you know, 3% growth and 2% inflation next year and everybody thinks everything's fixed, but uh, (laughs) it won't be because we will be borrowing ever increasing amounts of money, making our problem even worse. So, we're, we're working on the symptoms right now, uh, but the underlying disease is progressing and it's terminal. You know, there's no way, there's no way you survive um, in, in the current form with the, uh, the financial disease that we now suffer from. So it, it's going to end up killing the fiat currency slash um, fractional reserve banking system at some point. Yeah. And it could well be next year. You know, it could be a 2023 story when yeah. this stuff just all blows up on us. Yeah, I was going to say terminal uh, when, you know, it's like how long will the respirator keep the patient alive is the question, I guess. And respirators can keep in humans alive for a long time, but they're virtually dead. And I guess that's where the zombies come in. The zombie companies have been kept alive in the United States, Japan, no doubt worse, because they've been at it, this quantitative easing for much longer than the United States has. But uh, it, it is, it is, um, yeah, and you have to wonder, and we were talking to Michael about this before you came on, the idea that, um, you know, that, that it could be that the metals just absolutely go berserk on the upside at some point, like my, like markets do from time to time. I mean, natural gas, as Michael pointed out, went from $2 to $9, you know, in about six months or whatever. I mean, sometimes if confidence is lost in the fiat currency and this, and this uh, fiat, global fiat system, which I believe, John, is the first time in history that we've had every country around the world off of some sort of a gold or silver standard. Uh, you know, I mean, over the last, since 1971 anyway, it's basically everybody's gone off of uh, any kind of honest monetary regime, right? Yeah. Um, since 1971, the world has basically gone to, um, you know, make-believe money standard, fiat currencies, where um, the, the dollar and the euro and the yen, et cetera, are only worth what they say it's worth and we only value those currencies because we trust the people running them you know when that trust goes away then there's no intrinsic value there 
like um, somebody handling your gold for you um, can get into some kind of trouble, but your gold is still valuable. But that's not the case with dollars. If the guys managing the dollar system um, turn out to be untrustworthy or incompetent or some other thing that uh, that, that scares you, then the value of the dollars that they're managing for you just disappear. And that's kind of where we are right now. We're, we're at the point where um, capital is starting to flow into real things and out mm-hmm. of financial things because we don't trust the financial assets that depend for their value on fiat currencies. So you're seeing central banks of the world become net buyers of gold uh, pretty aggressively too. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you look at the, um, the metals exchanges where silver trades, uh, physical silver is being taken off uh, at an increasing rate. And some people now are predicting that, uh, for instance, the COMEX will run out of physical silver to be able to make good on futures contracts sometime in the coming spring, you know, that it, we're, we're that close to um, a default on a major metals exchange for silver. And, and this was always inevitable. Stuff like this was always going to happen in one form or another, but we're at long last, it is starting to happen. And you're right, it's it's incredibly good for precious metals prices just because um, more and more people are figuring out that sound money, real money, is a very different thing from the currencies that we use right now. And they want that real money. But there's yeah. nowhere near enough of it to satisfy the kind of demand. Let, let's say 2% of global investable capital tried to mm-hmm. flow into precious metals it wouldn't be able to do it. There is not enough gold and silver out there that's available for sale um, to satisfy that kind of demand. And that's just like 2%. I think it'll be very common for um, for people to want 10% of their capital to be invested in precious metals in the not too distant future. Yeah. But of course they can want that, but by then they won't be able to. Uh, yeah. And that means um, precious metals prices go straight up in that kind of a circumstance, right? We've seen, like you said, we've seen, um, a lot of other things do that. Bitcoin did it. A lot of industrial commodities just went straight up in the last few years. Well, gold and silver are uh, um, arguably a lot more legit um, safe haven assets than anything else. So you're going to see more demand and more long-lasting demand for them when the time comes. Yeah. Well, you wonder. You, you mentioned the COMEX or the the uh, silver <laughs> and the exchanges of uh, We've, you know, they're being drawn down dramatically. And of course, if people lose confidence in the paper system, then they don't want paper derivatives of those things. They want to have the actual metal, the actual metal in their possession. And if that happens, then there's certainly there's not enough metal there to cover all of the paper. Uh, the the derivatives, you know, the futures markets and the ETFs and so forth that are out there, right? If people really want to take if people really want to take possession of gold and silver, it's got who knows where it goes. And yet, and he, as you said, two percent. If just two percent of the people wanted their gold, wanted gold and silver, well, at some point, in theory, at least, everybody could have gold and silver. But what what, what price would it have to go to? <laughs> well, actually, um, it, it would change hands, so everybody wouldn't have it. It would be people selling yeah. at a very high price to somebody else, right? who holds it at that very high price and uh so yeah but, se- it's, but, but selling it for what john selling it for paper well, that nobody has confidence in yes that that's the thing why would you sell into those circumstances it would have to be a one hell of a price in paper right and you would have yeah. to then swap that paper over into some other real asset that hadn't yeah. yet appreciated say say silver goes up by 
a thousand percent right and farmland is up by a hundred percent you can swap your silver for farmland right with using right. dollars as an intermediary and be okay but uh, it, it's not it's not going to be a case where you think oh i i think um dollars are an attractive buy right now let me cash my silver out just to own dollars that there will be a time when that does not happen at all yeah and i think that time might be coming soon well, that time might be coming, but you know there are those like we had uh, last week, uh, Keith Weiner, for example, of Monetary Metals, uh, the dollar milkshake theory, which I'm, I imagine you're aware of that that, that line of thinking. Um, uh, Brent Johnson, I think, is the person that's made it popular. He's been a guest on Adam Taggart's Wealthy on Show, and um, you know the the idea is that within that the United States having the senior currency, and since there's so much debt around the world, whenever uh, you know, the Fed does what it's doing now, starting to contract. Then there's a, there's people scampering for dollars because they have dollar debt service obligations that they have to meet. And they go out there and bid up the price of the dollar. So the dollar has been relatively strong compared to other currencies. Of course, they're all they're all fake, you know, all fiat currencies and, and you know, are manufactured with debt and they're not, you know, not real money. So um, there's that idea. Uh, but and so when does the system go down is the question. And, you know, I guess it's all about confidence, isn't it? It's a con game, essentially. Well, with fiat currencies, yeah it, yeah, it is absolutely all about confidence because there's no there there. There's no reality yeah. Um, yeah. To, um, to, to hold on to with a fiat currency. And, yeah, the, the last year has been fascinating from the point of view of the dollar because we had, um, let's say, 10% inflation. It's probably higher than that. Uh, in the past year. In other words, the dollar lost 10% of its value measured by its purchasing power, which right. is the real way you measure it. And yet it went up versus the yen and the euro and most other currencies. So from that point of view ver versus the other fiat currencies, it was strong. Mm -hmm. um, so the question is, which of those valuation methods do you, um, do you look at and give credence to? And obviously the purchasing power of a currency is the real way you value it. The dollar lost 10% of its value in the last year. It was not a strong currency, um, <laughs> yeah. only, but the yen and the euro were even weaker currencies. That's how you look at this. Um, and what did the dollar lose 10% against? Most of the stuff that you buy for your normal life and real assets mm -hmm. like um, industrial commodities and, uh, and gold and silver. Um, mm -hmm. And over time, as that continues, uh, people are going to stop caring what the dollar is worth versus euros and yen because the euros and yen are not really worth much of anything either. And they're going to look at real stuff. And we're seeing that now because the demand for a lot of real things is going up. Um, but we're, we're nowhere near the critical mass point where, where market psychology completely shifts over to dump your financial assets and buy real assets. But that day is coming. As, you know, as government debts go parabolic, which they are doing right now, and that starts to lead to either higher inflation, in other words, uh, falling purchasing power for currencies, or just exploding deficits, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you reach a point where the conventional wisdom is that we can't trust these currencies anymore and we need to bail and get into real money. Um, you know, in the in the past, when you and I have talked about this, that was that was somewhere in the indeterminate future. But the um, the Japanese thing 
kind of implies that uh, it's it's much closer now than just you know someday. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's a, a within a few years, if not the next year, when um, a big phase change happens in market psychology. Okay, well, you on your notes that you sent to me, you were convinced that we're heading into a recession in 2023. Perhaps give us a give us your argument on that on that. Uh, tell yeah, us why. We, well, we we uh, rose inter- or we raised interest rates really dramatically in the face of the inflation that we've seen in the last year, and that's hitting home now. You know, houses. <laughs> we we were in a housing bubble the last couple of years in the U.S. Uh, when home prices were just going up year after year after year, uh, and part of the reason for that was because mortgage rates were like two two and a half percent, three percent. So you could uh, you could buy an expensive house with very cheap money and still afford it. But now mortgage rates have gone up to six or seven percent, which means the uh, the house that you might have bought two years ago um, will now cost you literally twice as much in terms of monthly payments. Um, and few people can afford houses now. And so um, home buying is tanking. Home builder confidence is at a 10 year low. Um, mortgage demand is through the floor. Nobody's refinancing at these rates. So you've got that sector just tanking. Meanwhile, um, a- another mini bubble that had blown up over the past few years was car loans. Yeah. Uh, and now the interest rate on car loans is up to like 10% in a lot of cases. So used car demand and new car demand, they're, they're both falling dramatically. And there's apparently a wave of defaults coming in the auto market. So it goes on and on. You know, there are a lot of uh, sectors that are already in recession for all intents and purposes. And I, I think there's a decent chance they pull the rest of the economy down in the coming year, um, which presents the central banks with a real dilemma, really, right? Because uh, they, they know they have to keep interest rates high to head off another bout of inflation, because if inflation picks back up, in other words, if prices start to rise again, um, then there's no credibility at the central bank level at all. You know, it's just over for these guys. So they, they want to stay tight as long as possible, but they're tightening in the face of a, an economy that has really headed south, you know? And so it, it'll be interesting to see which mistake they make in 2023, because they, they, there is no good solution for the central banks. They've messed things up so much, but they'll either tighten too much and give us a um, um, something more depression-like than a recession, mm-hmm. or they'll they'll capitulate and loosen too soon mm-hmm. and send us right back into some kind of inflationary spiral. Yeah. Um, and that's it. Those are their choices. So I, I suspect that um, they'll make the first mistake and then the second mistake. In other words, they'll yeah. stay tight for too long. The economy yeah. will really tank. And then they'll, the central banks will go nuts and start cutting interest rates back into negative territory. You totally want to own gold and silver and mining stocks while all that's going on. Well, I certainly think that is a that certainly seems to me to be the one of the few places to go, uh, at least to have some liquid assets. Um, and then, you know, also there's, as you point out, trillions of dollars of paper wealth that is going to money heaven as well. And, you know, capital is being, um, if you call it capital, I don't really call it capital. It's not capital is not created out of the you know keystrokes of a computer like Bernanke thought. Uh, capital is really what isn't consumed. And money that isn't consumed, but um, no, there's so much more, John. One of the thoughts that, that Dan, I was really shocked when David Stockman said on this show, and then Daniel DiMartino Booth followed up right after that. The idea that there's not going to be any pivot anytime soon. Now that's going back six months or so ago when David said that. 
And everybody seems to be anticipating the next pivot. And Powell is saying, and every time they anticipate it, it seems to tick Powell off. And he says, no, 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 no. No, we're going to stay tight for longer. We got to lick this thing. And, you know, Daniel D. Martino Booth is talking about a 5% on the federal funds, 5.5% or so, means we still have ways to go if they're going to get there. Uh, with 30 seconds left, John, what are your thoughts? Are they going to stick well, with it? How long will they stick? They'll stick with it until I, they go too far. I think they would like to stick with it. But what they're looking at is a massive stock market crash and a massive housing crash at the same time. Yeah. And I don't know how long they can stick with that. <laughs> this, yeah. you know, there's no immediate election coming up, which gives them a little bit of leeway. But, you know, 5% Fed funds rate is probably an 8% 30-year mortgage, right? My goodness. So that, yeah. that's, the, that's the end of the housing market. Um, yeah. If a, if car loans are twelve percent, that's the end of the used car market, you know. So uh, we well, and as you said, the stock market has tanked already. We, we've already yeah. lost eleven trillion dollars of um, fictitious stock market wealth in the U.S. in the past yeah. year, yeah. and that that's that gives us the wealth effect in in reverse, where your stocks are down, you feel dumb and poor all of a sudden, and you stop spending money. So yeah. wherever you look. It's a recession. Yeah, and well, it's, it's certainly, certainly, and wherever you look, where can you go for safety and a safe haven? And it could very well be today's market, uh, gold and silver blast off might be the start of more and more people recognizing what that safe haven is. John, we'll have to leave it go with that. Thank you so much for filling in with Lynn Alden. You always do such a great job. It's really great having you. And we'll look to do it again sometime soon. Thanks, Jay. All right, folks. Well, that is it for today. Uh, next week, I'm hoping to have uh, Dr. Daniel LaCalle. He's an economist and writer of several books, including Freedom or Equality, Escape from Central Bank Trap, The Energy World is Flat, etc., etc. He's an Austrian economist, lives in Spain. He's a professor of global economy uh, in Madrid. Uh, hopefully, he'll be with us next week. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.